0: Anything I can tell you, is that the best place to hide is in your mind.
1: Welcome back to Between Lewis and Lovecraft, ghoul gang. That's right. I don't care if Hannah doesn't like it. I'm doing it. You guys are my ghoul gang. And as always, we're doing a correspondence where I force people to pretend to be my friends on the internet so that one day I can trick them into thinking they actually are my friends. And today is absolutely no exception. I've tricked this guy into being my friend for a while now. Paul R. Davis was born in Milwaukee, and he is uh, just good old... Is, Paul, is is it is Milwaukee Midwestern? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, definitely. I just want to make sure if I said, you know, good old Miss Midwestern guy who writes uh (laughs) fantasy and sci-fi and some horror the victorian horror um steampunk poetry ancient mythology like you've kind of taken that as a thing like that's dope and uh just an all-around great guy uh wonderful author super excited to have him with me paul welcome to the show
0: thank you very much you you are uh very right. You've duped me entirely. I believe I'm your <laughs> friend, so. Yes. It
1: works every once it's... in a while. Um, yeah, I, I always have a hard time because I wish I had, like a, like, a sound pad or something with me so that, like, when I introduce people, I could hit a button and, you know, be like, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> or, like, the like Kramer entrance or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul, for yeah. our listeners at home, um why don't you introduce yourself a little bit outside of the amazing introduction I already did?
0: yeah, so i my first series is the order of uh or the War of Chaos and Order, and the idea behind it is I really wanted to delve into the mythology of other cultures um, that came from. When I was in elementary school, I had a teacher who just really got us into history, got us into Greek mythology, Roman mythology, Egyptian, and when I went to school, I delved into English and history. Um, and then when I became a teacher, that was the big thing. Is I just wanted to push. There's a lot more out there than America. Uh, as much as I love America, I love America dearly, but uh, you've got all of these rich cultures from the past and the present that just have a lot to teach us. And I hope that even if I can't capture it in my writing, that I can convince people to go back to the source material and look into it. So yeah. that's a lot of what pushed me to the point where I'm at. So, uh, otherwise,
1: yeah. I was just going to say it's, it's interesting. And, and I, I kind of had this note for later, but I think it's a, it's an interesting point. Like, when Tolkien wrote his Lord of the Rings, his Salmarinian and, and stuff like that, like he was going, I think kind of for the same thing you were, you are right. Where like he was really into mythology and he wanted to point people towards that with his own writing.
0: Yeah. And it's, it had to have been both scary and really cool because at his time, I mean, there, there wasn't really anything like it. Mm. And so where right now we go, Oh my gosh, you're doing European fantasy that's so cliche. At his time, that wasn't cliche.
1: Yeah, it wasn't um, a thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, there 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 wasn't anything to base it off of, and now it's like, oh, everyone writes Tolkien-esque, and, Right. Uh, yeah. Um so yeah, yeah, I would agree. I've I've tried to read his Cimmerillion a couple of times. It is it is heavy. Yeah. But
1: uh um, yeah, I I'm I want to read it very much um just because after reading about Tolkien just just how much work he put into the whole universe that he created and then for us to limit it to just the four books that we read seems l- like a travesty to me. Like it seems mm-hmm. sad that we're limiting all of this. I don't know
0: yeah no i agree um and similar to how george martin uh created his little history book that he put out there while everyone was waiting for book five book five is that what they're waiting for i
1: couldn't tell you i have no i i know nothing (laughs) about game of thrones um i know nothing about game of thrones (laughs) i was gonna say something except for her but i even that i think is wrong
0: so (laughs) (laughs) no. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I enjoyed the TV show for a while, and then I enjoyed the books for a while. But it doesn't look like he's coming out with anything else for that. So, sure. I'm kind of dropping out. Um, um. So, so you you write you write fantasy
1: based off mythology. I'm sure we're going to touch this mm-hmm. again. But outside of writing, what does a day for for Paul look like? Are you rich and famous, hanging out with Stephen? uh, Stephen King and stuff like that.
0: Uh, so I, I sell restaurant equipment as my day job. Okay. I own a restaurant equipment business. I do a lot as far as marketing and learning about content marketing and productivity. Those are kind of my jam after this, I'm going to go do some, uh, KPIs. So that'll be very exciting. Yeah. sounds yeah, uh,
1: so cool. <laughs> I've, I've just like, I'm on the edge of my seat about KPIs right now.
0: oh man yeah Yeah, but i I kind of enjoy that stuff um especially if you see progress if you just create the kpis who cares um but
1: (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) dude you're (laughs) losing me i know (laughs) i have no idea what
0: What is a kpi what is that is that a thing yeah so it's a key performance indicator Uh so i i just spent some time doing it for the company. So I'm going to be doing it for my writing as well and just come up with what do I want to do and what do I think I can do in the next quarter?
1: Okay. And then
0: lay that out. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully Colin (laughs) (laughs) money-making.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody makes goals going, you know, I'm not really planning on making money at this. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, so I mean, you've got you've got several works out there. You've got a, a whole yeah. series of fantasy work. You've got uh, works with other pe- people. You've you've written for anthologies. Yep. You just had two books come out this last year, right? Uh,
0: uh, it will be three coming up, and then a fourth in December. Right. So and I have two more shorts that I'm working on.
1: Yeah, you're you're writing like you're doing it, but then you work this day job. And, um, like it, it, talk about that. Talk about just like, I think a lot of people think that when you write and you, you publish stuff, especially as much as you do, that's your day job and that's what you're doing to make money.
0: Yeah, I wish. Um, and then on top of that, I'm, I have, uh, my kids Friday through Monday morning. Right. So my weekends, as much as I want them to be productive, are pretty much shot. Right. Because um, you have as to keep another for, human being alive. <laughs> <laughs> There's, You know, once they reach, I have a, a 2, 6, and 8-year-old. And once they reach probably about 5 to 6, I can let them wander a little more mm. but that two-year-old's just like hey daddy i see these dice you know what i'm gonna do with them i'm like <laughs> roll them no i'm gonna shove it in my mouth yeah. and i'm like no no
1: pretty sure this will put up my nose <laughs> super easy yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um and that's that's part of the reason i do the kpis is just my days are very structured if i want them to be productive especially on the writing end yeah and a lot of it is and and you know this because you are probably the personally hardest working guy I know as far as the creative oh. stuff he's doing, first, the day job. You really are. Um, but if I get home and I don't say, This is what I am going to accomplish and then do it, it won't get done. Uh, yeah. My books will fall behind. Yeah. Uh, but I'll have so much time on Dragon Age. It'll be unbelievable.
1: <laughs> uh- <laughs> hey, man, if we could make uh living playing video games it'd be called twitch or something right
0: (laughs) you gotta you gotta do video games as a uh hot tub stream oh yeah
1: totally (laughs) you definitely want to see me in a bikini playing playing uh splinter cell or something
0: (laughs) uh but yeah it, it would be cool uh to do that but i really like my writing i'm actually i've got um one editing contract right now and a second one that I'm working on mm. uh, because there's, there's more money in editing.
1: Sure. Cause so. that's like, you don't do that until you get paid or like you don't, you don't promise to do that until there's a promise of payment. Right. Whereas yeah. writing, you're doing it because you love it and you hope that someone will pay you money to do it eventually. Right.
0: Yeah, someday when they hear about you.
1: Yeah. You don't just uh. <laughs> pick up someone's book and start editing, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll figure out the contract later. Like, I just love to edit. It's fine. <laughs> I've,
0: I've done that. That was a poor uh, business decision.
1: <laughs> yeah. that's Oh, man.
0: That's crazy. Did, not, did not get paid. Um, so, but, so. no, I and, and I do love editing. Um, I was a teacher for a while, middle school and mm. high school, and I taught English and history. During that, I really enjoyed being able to help the kids learn and to come into their voice. And I enjoy doing that with other writers who are usually they're just beginning, but help them come into their voice and get a better grasp on like, what is good writing? Yeah. So it's been nice to be able to use that.
1: That's awesome, man. And like, is, were you writing while you were a teacher or did you start writing afterwards or before?
0: So in second grade, I wrote a fan fiction for The Big Friendly Giant,
1: mm.
0: and I read that about five years ago. I don't know what it said. My <laughs> spelling was pretty bad. <laughs> um, but then I remember uh, you, you have those like 70 page notebooks. Uh-huh. So in fifth grade, I filled one of those both Both sides, so really 140 pages. Yeah, with a Jurassic Park fan fiction.
1: Oh man!
0: So, and then in high school, it ramped up, and it's it's been something I've been doing since I was pretty little. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I think that's pretty classic, right? Most, I think most writers nowadays would say they've been doing it since childhood. But, you Mm -hmm. know, I think it's something that a lot of people go through that even if they don't become a writer is they, they had a time where they wanted to just write. They wanted to put this, this new knowledge of like runes that, that are representing thoughts and sounds down on paper. That's an exciting thing out on top of like you are, you're telling your story or your interpretation of a story where, you know, the, the, the fan fiction is where it really starts for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know i when I was a kid i wrote i think I wrote twelve pages front and back, so twenty four pages of the story of this vampire superhero guy named dusk, and it was it was badass dude, it was awesome um and it was really fan fiction of um underworld, okay, yeah, yeah, uh but it was like I wasn't smart enough to know it was fan fiction it was just i was just doing it <laughs> <laughs> Um,
0: that's awesome
1: and and so yeah that that became huge for me and then once I started playing role-playing games I mean oh my god end, yep. end of story right because all of my creative juices went right into that it was perfect
0: oh it's so fun I I do I've I've been running games since 14
1: yeah sounds about right
0: and here. yeah and and it's addicting it's very addicting to have that feedback and the pushback on your stories yeah uh, cuz when you write a story it's like i am going to dictate this like yeah the characters will talk to me yeah some things will change but but when you run a story you have a bunch of players who truly have their own will yeah <laughs> and, and it's like i don't i don't know what's going to happen today this entire thing could get thrown out within 5 minutes of session sure <laughs> and it's, it's a lot of fun I love that I,
1: and I think that what's great about role playing games is that it, it, exactly what you said is that some the characters that are being played have their own will it's not you making them say what they need to say in order to get to the next part of the story or to sum up the moral or whatever it is like you have yep. no control over what these players what these characters say um at the same time like it takes a while for people to learn how to play as as the players to where they can understand what you're trying to do with your story um and I think that's a big one like w- we've started you know I've had I have my D&D show the Players Guild and now that we've been playing for about a year I think people are starting to understand that right like so <laughs> s- I I have to railroad so hard to actually make the story happen. And I kind of feel bad sometimes cause I want to just let them do whatever they want. But I know that will turn into absolute chaos.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: What's, what's, uh, like what's one of your top role playing like stories?
0: Oh my gosh. I had a really cool one for vampire, the masquerade. Right. And, um, It was college, so I had time, so we played once or twice a week. Um, I sandboxed it. I still have the binder with the city. So there was a city, different factions, different characters, and they all had uh, what they wanted to accomplish. They all had their goals, and they all had their viewpoints of the characters. And the characters could pretty much do whatever they wanted within it, and the events of the city would continue. Well, eventually it was an apocalypse. So, so after about a month of this game, and it went on for about six months, uh, everybody came with an extra character sheet <laughs> because someone died every session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the end of the world. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it was, it was just jumping into being okay with their characters dying and having fun with it.
0: They There was... Uh, push back in the beginning. Uh-huh. And as they got used to it and realized this is a really cool story and death is just a part of it, uh, they started to warm up to the experience of making new characters. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. No, that that was probably my favorite, is uh, killing off my players every session. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Do you... Do you enjoy the process of making worlds or making characters more?
0: I like making worlds more. Uh, it created a challenge in my first book, Gadesh, because I created this very elaborate world. I built this scheme, this history, these warring factions. I created all of this, like, overarching awesomeness. Mm-hmm. And then I realized I have no viewpoints. All I have is like a history book. Yeah. So it it took a while to come up with the viewpoints that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I got better at that in the future. I still end up coming up with the world and the historical significance of the moment. And then I come up with my character that's going to live through it. All right.
1: Yeah, I think you and I are opposite. I think you
0: and I are completely opposite actually. You're a character person.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm all about setting a scene for characters and like I I know this for a fact because when I started writing my fantasy series, I started with characters. And I was like, "Oh, this person represents this person in my life." And I had five characters that represented, you know, people in my life. And and then it was okay, what do I do with them now? You know, like oh, they have all this power, or they have all these talents and skills. <laughs> what do I do with them? And so I like created the world as they walked through it, like almost like the paintbrush is right in front of them. Um, yeah, and it's fun, uh, but it's very hard and very inconsistent. And um, it, it, like I try, I, at one point I stopped and I started to make a world so that I could kind of fill it. And then I was just like, ah, these dimensions are nuts. I don't like this. And, you know, if it's not (laughs) exactly perfect to me, then I don't want to do it. I, I like the free form of character. And I thought that that was really limiting for a long time. I was really unhappy with, like, man, Tolkien created this whole thing. And even Lewis created his whole, like, kind of, philosophy that created Narnia, the world. And then you got, you know, George R. R. Martin and stuff. Um, and I didn't have a lot to look, look up to as far as the kind of painting with these characters, painting the world with these characters until I started watching, uh, Miyazaki films. And what, what has he done?
0: I, I don't, I know the name, but
1: yeah. Uh, so he did, he did spirited away princess Mononoke, yes. um, uh castle in the sky, howls moving castle, those those studio jubilee movies.
0: Yep, yep. Okay.
1: Have you have you seen those?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was like college college parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you watch
1: group. if you watch those movies, he creates these worlds, but he doesn't give explanations for 80% of it. It just exists. It just is. And I I loved that. I loved that idea that, like, look, man, you can just have things happen and have things that exist, and they have a backstory, and they have history, but we don't have to explore it for this story to happen because that doesn't pertain to this character, except for that they're kind of seeing a part of it.
0: Yeah. I I always felt... Did The Hobbit or The Cimmerillion get written first? Was The Cimmerillion, like, one of his first... Well, I mean, it was published after he died, wasn't it? Yeah, I but. think
1: The Cimmerillion is more... A, I thought it was a collection of stories.
0: Yes. It, it's kind of a history book. I always felt like The Hobbit was, I have a hobbit, now what? Like Lord of the Rings itself felt very structured, very here's the world. Here's all the mythos that goes yeah. behind what everyone's doing. But the Hobbit was kind of like, and then they went into a woods and I guess there were giant spiders. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I, but yeah, no, I, I like when you can come up with the characters and build the world around it. I struggle with it. Um, I just really like creating that huge setting. Yeah. It's, it's so fun.
1: Uh, dude I totally get it uh, Nothing against creating your own Your own worlds I, I, I mean I, in D&D I, I used to do it a lot and then I learned I, I don't like the world as much as I like a region or a setting and then to go out um, But yeah I, I mean The the famous story for um, Tolkien was He just sat down saw A blank page and wrote On there you know there once lived a hobbit In a hole in the ground and, and and it
0: was fantastic
1: and that was it like that's how, and then he just kept writing the hobbit and and he just kept and and the whole time he was through the hobbit he was introducing these stories that he had already created and these stories that he had already created would one day be collected into the salmarinian um yeah it did not exist necessarily before the hobbit but the hobbit would not exist without what would become the salmarinian if that makes sense okay Okay. Yeah, um, it does. So so well, what, what you do uh, when you create the world is essentially the same thing. You're creating all these things that that exist, and then you're able to just make stories happen inside of it.
0: Yeah. So one of my favorite, and this will never see the light of day, but <laughs> there there is a core world, and in it they have, it is prophesied they will have seven zombie apocalypses. Um, all right sounds cool (laughs) that's so they're on the seventh one and it's the story starts before it and it's just some dude who's in a city and he's tired of the city and he loves a woman and he's like you know what let's go out into the frontier and become farmers she's like okay so they go become farmers and then they're, they're farmers, and they're building wealth, and a city starts to build around them because they're a trade center between two major nations as they continue. And then the zombie apocalypse happens, and it's about this dude with his wife and their kids trying to survive uh, both political issues and, well, a zombie apocalypse. Yeah,
1: zombie, zombie, zombies.
0: It's yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and there's nothing he can do yeah (laughs) he's just like there's there's nothing i can really do about it i don't know how to use a sword or anything what i can do is hide call the right people and try to keep my family okay yeah and i like the sim i like simple everyday characters in ridiculous fantasy settings so yeah and i think that a lot of
1: people are starting to realize how beneficial that kind of storytelling is right like we're starting like uh there was the army of the dead that just came out on, on yeah, Netflix. Yeah, yeah.
0: Have you watched that at all? No, I got rid of Netflix. <laughs> Bad move, bro. It's, no, I'm joking. I, it's, I know. It, I, I just saw The Witcher 2 trailer today. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, is oh. Happen? Didn't even watch oh. the first
1: one, even though we did a whole episode on that guy. Um, I, yeah, Army of the Dead. It was it was good. Um, It was fun to watch, and it was a simple story. These guys need to go in get some gold or some cash get out and it was a heist movie but what made it interesting was that it was a zombie apocalypse and like but it was such a simple story that zach snyder could build on top of that made it interesting and i think we're we're seeing that with superhero movies too like ant-man is one of the best ones because it's yes. super simple oh my gosh yes um and you have your, your epics, right? You have your end games and Ultrons and things like that. But then you still have a universe where these small stories still matter. And I think that's what Marvel's done really, really well. And I, 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 I think I it's it's a cool idea that – because I know you and I have talked before where you're like, I, wanted, I want to have a world where multiple stories can happen. And Oh, yeah. And I want that too. like for my stuff, I like I've had on our on our group chat with our good old patron Davani and our our other correspondence (laughs) guest, uh, uh, Brianna, like we've chatted about that. And and I've had existential crisis with you guys where I'm like, yeah, I I mean, I want everything to be connected. And then so he's like, well, is it is it going to be like this and this? this?" (laughs) Yes. Darn it. Now I have to do more work. Thanks. (laughs)
0: that would probably be me or davani yeah it
1: was definitely you two ganking up on me
0: (laughs) (laughs) have you laid the foundation that's you guys Um,
1: keep telling me to build a world and then go fill up my kdis and and get my (laughs) my shit together
0: (laughs) god that's so as a writer I feel it's very important. I, Whenever you get writers together, I feel like they go for all the really super esoteric comments on stuff.
1: Mm.
0: Like, to be a good writer, you need your muse to touch you. And <laughs> then the words will flow forth from thine fingertips. And if thine muse doesn't feel like touching you, and she gives you the cold shoulder and sits on the couch, then you should sit on the couch and watch tv (laughs) and it's like well okay i i know on the day that the muse is watching netflix your writing's gonna suck yeah but there's no writing if you don't do it um yeah yeah and and so that's that's why i kind of like hit in the hit in that area for writer advice where it's just like hey guys sit down and write like the only universal writing knowledge I've ever gotten I think it's Stephen King or Neil Gaiman or both was write. yeah
1: (laughs) yeah man I I mean that's that's the number one rule and even I've said that to people where they're like you know I just I just want to write a book you know I, I just I feel like there's a story inside of me it's like great do it then just do it you know like well i don't know I don't know what if I'm good at it, like well, you're never gonna know at this rate you're never gonna know if you're good at it or not, and to be honest, I'm not good at it i and I'm better than I used to be almost yep. ten years ago when I started, and the only way to get better is to do it and try and and fail and then work at it
0: so in one of the podcasts I was listening to someone said uh Whenever they talk to someone about starting something, they are going to suck. There nobody starts something and is just fantastic at it. You start sucking. Yeah. And if you quit because you suck, then you always suck at it. Yeah. But if you keep doing it, well, then as you said, you'll get better than you were ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. But if it's thirty years later and you stopped writing 30 years ago and now go, I should really pick up writing. Well, <laughs> you still suck. <laughs> yeah. You're not just going to
1: inherit better abilities over 30 years of not doing it.
0: No, no. And that's, that's no slam. Um, one of the greatest things I heard is I am painfully mediocre. And that's one of the best things I've ever learned about myself. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Cause we can always, we can always improve and gain mastery with time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, it's it's about enjoying the process of learning too i think that's probably the biggest thing people are afraid of being okay with putting work into being better man i I don't know if i said that well or not
0: um it was good it was good
1: but like anything that you do Right, at any time in your life if you wanna be better at something, you have to start at the bottom and work your way up and, and you if you're gonna be a football player, basketball player, you if you're a basketball player, you gotta show up at the gym, you gotta just shoot hoops, right? Like yeah. shot after shot after shot. And you create the muscle memory. You create the yep. you gotta tell your body like this is what's normal and 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 you gotta work out, you gotta get fit. Um if you're like so i'm I'm an apprentice electrician, you gotta show up to work, you gotta uh, wire those panels. you gotta know what you're running and why you're running it, and you know three or four years down the road, you'll be good enough to be considered a, a really bad journeyman <laughs> you know <laughs> um, and 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 it's the same thing with writing, and I think there's so many stories of you got your like stephanie Myers is his and you you're i don't know who else she's the only one that comes to my mind of someone who wrote something bad and it was celebrated as good
0: 50 shades who wrote that one
1: uh it's yeah it's just more twilight twilight stuff right I mean, it, it, um, it is but yeah you know you you got your examples of people who just have these overnight successes and and everybody wants that you know everybody reads that and goes oh i could do that it's like no you can't that's one that's a special case and two you don't want to be stephanie myers don't do that
0: <laughs> you know you know what if uh i could have that much money <laughs> uh, you take the shade for the so, money i'll take the shade you're gonna get the shade no matter what yeah that's true. um there there came a point where i stopped so I was driving in my car, and I heard on the radio that they were thinking of taking Twilight out of libraries in high schools. I'm like, good. It's so grammatically bad. People should not be reading this. Yeah. And then they come in, and they're like, oh, it's for the romantic content. And I'm like, "Oh, oh, yeah, I guess you can take it out for that, too. But I just can't imagine the damage that <laughs> English teachers need to repair after yeah. children read this book. But she is... What she lacks on the writing end, she makes up for on the marketing end, Mm. Um, and she is good at the game. I I haven't studied a whole lot of her because she's not exactly the road I want to take, but she's she's a household name. Right, like my kids are probably going to know who she is, and I'm going to be like, well, that. That tells me I failed as a dad, but what what am I going to do? <laughs> why? So what
1: has she done in marketing that is so good?
0: That's I don't I don't even know. I don't know why. Her story latched on to girls in that age range. But yeah, it did. I, and
1: I think it's weird because it's not just that age, age range. Right? Like it's not just teenagers that latched onto it. Moms latched onto it. Women latched onto it.
0: Maybe vampires were just ready to be in the romance genre and she struck lightning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but, I think she yeah. did. Because I know she had the other book that she did, The Host or whatever, and that didn't do as well. I think it only yeah. did as well as it did because it was you know, Stephanie it was flying on the coattails of twilight
0: yeah and i don't think she's really had anything big since then i i saw the host the movie it was it was okay yeah unfortunately mm -hmm. i saw it too (laughs) um yeah i don't i don't know but my wife
1: legitimately loves watching twilight but she legitimately loves watching it because it's the funniest thing in the world to her like okay Okay. once a year we'll go through the whole series we'll watch it the whole series and she's it's like funny she's laughing her ass off the entire time I think this last time this last year we watched it <laughs> we watched it probably like two months ago and she stopped and rewound the part where uh, Bell jumps on Edwards back and they're like running through the forest She watched that like 10 (laughs) times. She thought it was the funniest (laughs) thing ever. Which has nothing to do with Stephanie Myers' writing, right? Like that's all the movie. No, no, not at
0: all. Do you ever see the memes that come from when they're sitting there and he's telling her that he's a vampire? And it's like her going, how old are you? And he goes, 12. How long (laughs) have you been 12? A long time. I know what you are. Say it. Say it you're a Pokemon trainer <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm just like yeah that's that's good that's good
1: uh uh speaking of Pokemon that's like yeah. a fantasy thing right like Pokemon should, is fantasy at this
0: point right oh yes I thought I thought you were asking if it was a fantasy of mine to be able to have Pokemon I and think battle yeah I don't think
1: be. anyone's gonna deny the fact that we will Instantly enslave magical creatures and make them fight each other if we have a chance.
0: Yes, as as long as we're equipped with the right balls, I'm willing to go and do this. So, I've been working. <laughs> yeah. I've
1: been working so hard to implement Pokemon into my Dungeons and Dragons games. It's it's kind of sad.
0: They've they've got stats. Um. So, yeah. Big eyes, small mouth. They've got a D twenty class that's. Uh, what do they call it? Pocket Monster Trainer.
1: Is that like a homebrew thing?
0: No, Big Eye Small Mouth. It's uh, shoot, by Guardians. Hey, did you ever hear of uh, Tri Tri Stat System?
1: No. All right.
0: <laughs> okay. So I've I dove into the into the weeds on some role playing stuff at Gen Con, and I found Tri System, which led to Big Eye Small Mouth, and they did a D twenty Big Eye Small Mouth, and it's just all of your anime cliches as D20 classes. And wow. one of them was a like monster trainer.
1: Yeah. I'm looking this up right now. I'm like, I'm looking at this while you explain it. So if I'm quiet, it's because I'm yeah, yeah. basking in I've, the I've glory got the... of all the anime <laughs> that's like on my screen right now.
0: I've, I've got the book right next to me in my, I have like two bookshelves worth of, role-playing games and most of it is is pretty mainstream role-playing but a lot of it is like where did you find that oh yeah oh so, uh, i i've got some weird things uh well i guess one of them wouldn't be too weird did you ever hear a numenera by it's numenera. monty cook
1: nope don't know that one how do you spell that
0: uh um n u m e r Okay. No, Numenera Destiny. It's by Monty Cook. If you look up Monty Cook, it'll probably show up.
1: Yeah, I I found Numenera Destiny. Um, and then that there's Numenera Ninth World. This is wonderful radio. I'm sure our listeners are just (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Loving listening to me look up things on Amazon.
0: <laughs> so I've got I've got a uh, Lord of the Rings, which the uh-huh. system was created by Margaret Weiss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got Serenity, the role okay. playing game. Yeah, and yeah, I think those are those are the major, those are the quieter role playing games. Most of the stuff I have is White Wolf and Pathfinders. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: quieter meaning like things that people don't know as much about, sort of thing.
0: Yes. Yeah, and it's not that the franchise isn't like popular. It's just the role playing book was released because it was popular and nobody balanced it. Sure.
1: So. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's super cool. I, you know, I have a hard time with the idea of doing more because I'm still like, to me, I'm a perfectionist and I'm not perfect at D and D yet. You know, so it's it's hard for me to be like, oh, yeah, let me just stop doing D&D and let me just try something else. And I feel like that would just mess me up. But I do like the idea of doing other role playing games, mostly because it gives you a chance to write new stories and be new characters. Yep. Right. I picked up uh, so- um, the the monster of the week. And like I. I can't wait to try that out i have a whole story in my head that i want to do for monster of the weeks for like players guild um what is monsters
0: of the week i don't know
1: so monster of the week is a playing game that's designed around the idea of you know supernatural uh buffy the vampire slayer the x-files um those those kind of shows where every episode every week it's a new monster that they have to fight you know they have to they have to investigate and then eventually you know encounter and fight it or something um so monster of the week is um is you spend a session and you know that can be forever long you need to, you need and your characters are investigating and dealing with the ramifications of whatever creature is doing stuff and then eventually you encounter it and you have to fight it or do whatever you need to do to get rid of it or whatever needs to happen um and it's very cool
0: <laughs> i have not been that, able to that play, would be fun
1: but uh highly highly recommend the show the monster hour uh okay. i i support them on patreon because i love their show so much um, and that's what they play and they do such a fantastic job of playing that game
0: yeah that would be a lot of fun it, it reminds me a little of a world of darkness and I enjoy going back to that setting, so that would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's World of Darkness, but it's more fun. Like, not fun as in, like, <laughs> oh, I ha- I had more fun playing it, but, like, more fun as in, like, oh, I can make a fart joke and it's going to be okay. Like, no one's going to – I'm not going to get my head cut off because I've insulted the Imperial Vampire Lords. <laughs> yeah.
0: Storyteller's story not going to total party wipe this week. Yeah. <laughs> That's so vampire is a
1: big one for you. I know that when we first started mm-hmm. chatting, like you were like you were trying to amp up and try and like run a vampire
0: game. I still would love to. I, I would love to do um, so vampire. I just enjoy because I can pretty much make a game. If if you got me a group of players and they had character sheets, I could create the story. If you gave me about 10 minutes in a pad of paper that that would be all I would need. And we would have a session going um because i just mm. that's what i started with i did it for probably 15 years yeah um and it's it's easier to oh shoot can you hear Some, that <laughs> Here, I heard hold on. something I sorry i don't know what's going on all right my bad so oh, you're good. Yeah vampire is what I had been playing for like 15 years so uh-huh. it's it's easy for me to just whip together a story for it but um Orpheus is something I'd like to do which was a world of darkness end of the world campaign and then mm-hmm. uh dragon Age okay I love to run a dragon age that would be cool
1: yeah i I've watched people play dragon Age role playing on um what was the one that will Wheaton did uh, I think it was called just Tabletop? He had a show back in the day, and he would play different games in every episode. And there was one where he he was running um, Dragon Age, the role-playing game, and it was it was really cool. Uh, just some of the stuff that they were doing was really fun, and I think it's interesting, man. I I love I love role-playing. I do. I feel like maybe I missed out on a calling of being an actor or voice actor cuz i love it so much
0: that's uh that's what i'm kind of in as well with uh just i i would love to put together even some campaigns and like put them through uh Watsy still owns D, right it's a wizards Who? wizards yeah wizards, wizards of the, of the coast. coast yeah yeah and and just be like hey so uh would you, would you put these out there as, as product and can I get royalties?
1: But <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you could do that with wizards, but I know that there, I know for a fact that there is a, a whole indie, um, a, a whole indie culture community out there of, uh, module makers and, uh, writers. And in fact, um, not to not to brag or or put anything against you but i do i am excited for uh my next correspondence guest who uh she writes um she writes modules and set yeah. setups for D D that i use in my game because they're so damn good um what is the name that is of the awesome song? uh i'm trying to think now of course again this is great uh, audio people get to listen to me try and remember what a <laughs> yeah. website is called dm materials let's look that up on the internet um
0: <laughs> that sounds like it could be interesting
1: yeah i don't think else. that i looked up the right thing cuz i'm getting weird <laughs> things coming up and i'm dm is not what i thought it was going to mean um mm-mm,
0: mm-mm. Just just wait because I so I'm creating a campaign right now for some friends and I want to run you through it and some other people as well. So I don't want mm-hmm. to just like use it once and chuck it. Sure. So
1: I mean, are you you're talking about a and d campaign?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 5E.
1: Yeah. I mean, hey man, I'm not going to lie. Um <laughs> I have a whole podcast where we would love to have people run new games and stuff.
0: All right. Yeah. So. yeah.
1: Uh, that would be super cool. And do you think that Vampire would sound would be good in sound in an audio-only sort of scenario?
0: Yeah, I think it does a pretty good job. Um, especially what I appreciated about White Wolf is it's far more story-oriented than dice-oriented. D&D uh-huh. and Pathfinder always struck me as more dice-oriented. Um, so as as long as you have the right people vampire does a very good job of being something that you can sort of make into an improv audiobook. yeah but yeah. then i had one guy who was playing with us and i'm like okay you go to the political meeting and you're talking to the people and he's like well i roll my charisma plus persuasion i'm like what well what do you say i don't know i roll my charisma plus persuasion and then you tell me i'm like what i don't know if i like this
1: nah man that's not how you do that at all if you're going to role play, you're going to role play. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you have to say like, oh, thine uh, aura is of the most glorious. Like, you don't have to do that, but at least be like, oh, I I really like your dress. Can I um, get some flowers? You know, like, that's all you need to say. At least give me that. Right, uh, right. By the way, that's, the that's website I, I was to. looking for and I think it's cool. I, I I wanted to share it on the show, um and, and for you, Paul. You might look into this. Yeah, yeah. It's called Dro- Drive Through RPG. So drive through like a you know, drive through food. Uh and that's RPG role playing game. Um So wait, what is, what does she do on it? Well so she so uh so the person I'm gonna have I don't know if she has anything on Drive Through RPG. That's a that's okay. kinda separate. That's a website where people will upload um modules and stories and all kinds of things for uh just a slew of of different games. I mean, you got Cyberpunk, yep. Shadowrun, Warhammer, D&D, Pathfinder, like anything I think that you that you want, someone has uploaded modules and stories for it. And a lot of them you can pay for, you know, they they're, you know, between mm-hmm. a dollar and like 20 bucks depending on it. So if you're someone That's who That's interesting. Like, Paul, like, I know you're into writing stories and writing worlds, and you want to try and fit that to the D&D rules. Um, you could do your own indie um sort of press, your indie small press for yeah. you, that sort of thing. So yeah. um the person that I'm trying to get onto the show, uh she's, she's confirmed that she wants to be on it. I'm trying to make it my next... Uh, interview we'll see if that actually happens I, I not that I don't trust her it's just I know people are busy so I you know it'd be not a big yeah. deal if she was able if she had to push it off but she has a, a webpage called the Arcane library and I've downloaded okay. every single module that she's created uh, and i and I've used it because she writes her modules in a way that is so incredibly easy to pick up and just run with it like i I have very minimal amounts of uh prep time with her modules um and on top of that she's done videos where she just walks you through it, so it's like I could spend huh. four hours trying to figure everything out and prep it all, or I can watch her twenty minute video and basic know the basics of the whole thing,
0: yeah, yeah now, so I know drive through r p g okay um white wolf i don 't know if they still do, but they used to basically outsource all their digital sales through DriveThruRPG. So to buy any of their books digitally, you had to go through DriveThruRPG. Oh, okay. And then I think I I I got my Pathfinder books through them because they were just so cheap.
1: Yeah, I think you sent me something like that a while
0: back for that. Yeah, so it's been a while since I've used them, but yeah, they do good stuff. I like them. But that's good to know. I didn't know about... Um, people could put their own modules on there and sell them that I did not know so uh,
1: as far as I know that's what I, I thought maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I know it's a place where like you can put up your own if if yeah, people can it. find it then you' you can make money for it. but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you need to have um, a publisher or something like that
0: and I'm just yeah. wrong. <laughs> it'll become a kpi this uh evening yeah
1: there you go just if you don't know so, kpi it
0: yeah. um are Are you looking into the amazon cereal thing i'm sorry say that again you kind of cut out oh the amazon cereal platform that they're releasing Did you oh look yeah into man that anymore yeah that's so they sent me a a final request before it launches. I didn't realize it hadn't launched yet, but I think I'm going to get two books on there. Um, and they will tie into my overall world, but I've already got like five chapters for each and I'm just like, well, let's just shoot this out see what happens. So kind of excited for that one's going to be steampunk Well, they're both going to be steampunk, but
1: (laughs) so I know you've talked about this before where you have a big old world that you want to create Mm -hmm. and have stories inside of what is that world like
0: big (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so so there are going to be 13 continents i've come up with five um One of them is going to be a stereotypical European, and then you've got the one that's in my first series, and that is a combination of Arabian, uh, Far East Asian, Norse, and India mythologies. And then north of that is kind of like a Russian steampunk type thing. Uh There's going to be an Aztec Mayan type world, and... That's what I have so far. So Okay. Um and I had people working on some of the continents so that they would be their continents and I don't create all of them, but yeah, they bailed a little bit. So Sure. But no, I've got what I've got and I'm pretty happy with where I am. And the idea is just to make it evolve over time and become something really cool. I already know I know how the world ends. I know how the world started. Man, and you're, so, uh,
1: you're like just, obsessed with this ending the world sort of thing, huh?
0: <laughs> I love apocalypses. That's, <laughs>
1: that, so, I mean, that gives but, yeah. me a fun idea for like a series or a book, at least where it's like just, it's just apocalypse after apocalypse and it's kind of just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, here's an idea. Okay. So you have, you have apocalypse world and, uh, It just keeps happening over and over again. People are really getting tired of it. It's almost like mundane.
0: Jeez.
1: And like, there you go. Fred, he's going to work, and in the background you got like some demon is coming down. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna collect all your souls." He's like, "All right, call (laughs) me when that actually happens." I'm gonna go to work. Uh, (laughs) And then like, and then, uh, and then like like Cthulhu comes out of the water at the same time, and then. Um, and then the demons just like, no, Cthulhu, it's Tuesday. It's my day with the
0: world. (laughs) That would be awesome. That's mine's, uh, a little bit. So I've got, I've got about five to 6,000 years of history in my world. And part of it is the perspective of our, while we have not perceived it and we may or may not perceive it. Our world has ended at some point on this timeline. Mm. There is nothing that will stop that. Yeah. Um, we just, we're not there yet. Right. And in the same sense, like this world, yeah, the apocalypse is 2,000 years off from where this book series is, but at some point that's still coming. Right. But yeah, uh, I've, I've, uh, I don't know, dour view of the world. Yeah, is that
1: is that like a, a thing for you of like, I'm, I'm looking at my own inevitability, my own mortality, and and it's just I feel like it's right around the corner, so I'm gonna put it
0: in my books. No, um, I mean I mean you know I'm Christian, I believe that after this life I'll be resurrected in Christ and all that good stuff. Sure. I. It is good stuff. I don't really stuff. view it. <laughs> I, it. It is good stuff. It's great stuff. Um, that's, that's my one prayer at night is that whatever I do, please help my daughter get on the same path. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, this all ends. Um, and chances are within three to four generations, everything we've built will be dust and forgotten. Mm. And that's that's Okay. Yeah. because hopefully at the very least I helped create better children for the next generation and so while they don't remember hopefully that that is still there so it's, it's more I guess it's not a fear of the end but an acceptance of the end like that yeah. is where we are all heading
1: sure I think that's great I really do just kind of being able to to acknowledge it and not turn away from it, but to say, okay, this is yeah. just a part of life, right? Yeah. Um, it can be cathartic. It can be scary for a lot of people, and but I think it ultimately can be cathartic because it's inevitable. You can't get away
0: from it. Yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> people talk about how we're in the rat race and everyone seems to want to go as fast as they can. And it's like, well, the finish line's the same for everybody. Yeah. (laughs) I'm i I'm going to take my time. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's very interesting. I
1: know, I know for me, like I generally, whenever I write, I, I have something going on in my head, either a discussion I've had with someone, an argument that I've had with someone or, um, you know, a, a a prayer that's been in my in my head for some time, and I'm working through that. And I, and it was actually Ted Decker who kind of put that into my head. Okay. Um, he responded to a terribly written email that I wrote to him one time, um, asking him to read a terribly written manuscript that I had written one time. Uh, and he did both. He re- he replied to a terrible the terrible email and and he read it and said, "Hey, man." This is good. You need to get an editor. <laughs> uh, that was that was his thing. But he, and he said he's like, look, you know the the way to write good stories is to write stories that that you're answering a prayer and, or a question yourself. You're trying to figure something out, and and you figure it out through the story. And when you do that, people will read your stories. And and that, I that's absolutely really cool. Yeah. And and he has a whole thing like he's just now like every year, I think every summer he does this whole master class with Ted Decker. And uh, even if you're not a Christian, like dude is a prolific writer um, on par, yeah. in my opinion, with Stephen King, um, even if you're even if you're not into his style of writing or, or what the content is, he's still good. And he says that once he really started to figure out these core things um, It started to change for him. And he really like he had five books he had written and nobody wanted them. But the second he wrote his fifth or sixth book this way, suddenly they started selling like hotcakes.
0: I've seen those
1: classes. Maybe I'll have to sign up for one. But. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't. I just had the. <laughs> that's my like the quick thing that he gave me for free uh so i hope he doesn't mind me sharing that with other people i I don't think that he would mind he's he's a really cool guy and i think his passion is to get people into the heart of writing to for self-betterment um man i'd love to have him on my show right like that would be dope
0: (laughs) hey he answered your first email and manuscript yeah i just need to
1: show him like be like hey man (laughs) I got an editor. (laughs) (laughs) I do audio now. I do my own editing. You don't have to worry about it. I promise I won't make you read anything else. Just come on my
0: show. Maybe that's for all those listening. Yeah, there. For all those listening who do need an editor, I have uh, very reasonable rates, and we do highly suggest them.
1: Yes. (laughs) <laughs> Paul is an editor he does it and and he's good at it and as soon as I finish you know something <laughs> I got like four Dude. things right on the edge man you're gonna get a lot of, all at once is the problem
0: <laughs> it, it feels like you took a different journey though like because your your creative journey is not what I, we really met through the phoenix quill right I mean that's yeah that's where we first and in the phoenix quill everyone's like writing 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 um but looking at you you have a very different journey where you went into um like the the podcast and delving into writers and talking about those writers and it's it's really cool watching the journey that you are taking because it is so different than the journey everybody else there was wanting to tank or is wanting to tank yeah um so it's it's cool watching you man i'm glad that you're part of my my inner circle so i really dude i really
1: appreciate that i do uh and and i think that it's just i i it's uh, i think it's a matter of just being honest with myself of like i'm i'm not outputting the way that these people are right and i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and compare myself to these other writers who are doing such a good job and like they're writing stuff that I can't keep up with. Um, so so where am I gonna focus? And I want to keep writing. I like storytelling. I like writing. I mean, I just came up with that awesome demon vs. Cthulhu thing, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> there. Run with it. I'm going to. You think I'm not gonna write that, dude? Come on. That's gonna be my There's next uh, Amazon. My next Halloween Amazon flash cereal.
0: fiction or something. Oh yes. Yeah, I need to get in on that this
1: year yeah you do um, yeah. but I think it's it's just a matter of being honest and like like I like the idea of being a writer and I want to write but at the end of the day I have so many things that I want to do and so I was open I was really afraid for a while with the Phoenix Quill where I'm like I I don't want them to think I'm spamming for a podcast like I want to show them that I'm being as creative as they are just kind of chant trans gently What's the word?
0: Tans I tangentially.
1: Oh yeah. 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 That's close enough. Yeah. I got it with It's fine. That's a real <laughs> word.
0: Um, no. Yeah. I, I agree. And we focus very much so on our art um, and ignore other art and podcasting is such an art. It's very difficult to do. I love listening to the people who talk about how much effort they put into it and, and mm-hmm. talking about the effort you put into it and it's difficult. I mean, it, it, it is very, very difficult. So, uh,
1: yeah, I, I, I know like with, with this show with Lewis and Lovecraft, the, the biggest difficulty is, is being able to make sure I've read enough that I can be a part of the conversation, <laughs> you know, like do my research and all that um with like players guild which is the the other one that i do and it's that's a massive
0: undertaking. oh my gosh yeah yeah writing a story and having everything there and then the oh yeah yeah and herding cats <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and then and then the editing on top of it and
1: then trying to get other stuff done with it it's it's a lot of work man and and i'd love to uh I don't know, I'd love to do it more um but first you got to build the audience and yep and uh maybe one day I'll have that <laughs> maybe yeah well
0: and and that's another thing I don't think creatives like starting creatives understand they hear the podcast and go I want to do that all I need is a microphone sit down hit record and go yeah they don't they don't realize the equipment you have behind it the research that you had to do for it the platform, the editing, all of that, like, like me with writing, they're like, well, I do NaNoWriMo. I write my 50,000 and now here there's a book worth publishing. And I'm like, it's, it's not, you have like three to four more edits to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But
1: I think yeah, it's, that's it's probably it's my hard. biggest problem with, with writing is that like I finish it, I do a proofread and I'm like, all right, this is ready for the presses. Let's do this folks. <laughs> And then like I have like you guys and Hannah read my stuff and you're like, okay, chill out, bro. You've got so many mistakes you need to fix. They're like, this is BS. I
0: read this at least once. It's fine. Yep. Yep. And and I mean, don't get me wrong, I remember when I was that person. Like we were everybody who is on this journey was that person. Yep. Um, it's it's growing out of it. What? Uh, yeah yeah Uh, but. so
1: we, we we've talked a lot about stuff um, I know mm-hmm. uh, I would like to just touch on what it was about mythology that, that got you into because your, your big stuff your, the, if I go on Amazon right now and I look up uh, Paul R. Davis it's mm-hmm. going to be hard to find your stuff for one we were talking about this before we started recording yes. so we'll need I'll I'll be sure to uh, put a link in the uh, in the description for the episode and all that. Um, but you've got uh, a three-part series and then like a fourth book. Five, five-part series. It is a five-part. It is a. I wasn't yeah. sure because on on face or on Amazon it says you know book one, two, and three, and then it's like it doesn't and have it that. Doesn't. No. Mm. So yeah. so book yeah. one is the story of the drowning sands of Gadesh. Right? The Scrolls of Chaos and Order, Book One.
0: And then it's the Song of Hetchia Melna. So uh, Gadesh is based on Arabian, and um, I I mean the Old Testament. So Arabian Nights and the Old Testament were the two big influences. Um, After that, there is the Song of Hetchia Melna, which is Norse. Uh And then Ghost Monkey, which is Hindu. Straw Hat. Which I don't think says... It just says Scrolls of
1: Chaos and Order. That's it. It doesn't say which number it is.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's number four. Now, one through four you can read in any order. They don't play into each other. But they all play into the War of Chaos and Order, which is book five. So you've got four individual stories which lead into one massive bloody
1: battle. You're saying that these four are like, you know, Thor, the Hulk, Ant-Man, Captain America, and then War of Chaos and Order is like Endgame.
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just for, for other dumb people like myself who have to think of everything <laughs> in comic book.
0: Marvelese.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: um And at, from, from there, I've got... The Plague Goddess, which is based—it's urban fantasy that's based on Finnish mythology, which I had to do a lot of reading for. Uh huh. Um, and then I did with my friend Stephanie Ayers, who does fantastic horror. Uh, I would know this because I edit for her. Nice. And I think oh, Leaving the Nest. I have Leaving the Nest, which is which
1: um, I, I'm I am a uh, book cover snob. Like that is a thing about me that I've accepted because I'm a designer and I've done book covers. And let me just say Stephanie Ayers, the, the covers for her, uh, the 13 series. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Some of my favorite, favorite covers that I've ever, I remember seeing them for the first time. I was like, yo, this is dope. (laughs) These are good. She does them. She created that. Yeah. All right. Stephanie, that's dope. <laughs> New respect. You're you're a better person than I am. You can write and cover design better than me. So good job.
0: She does a great job on cover design. That's that's why she won't. She used to um, sell her talents, but she's like, I don't have time for that. But <laughs> the the uh, deal between us is, I edit for her, and she gives me covers and marketing materials. So nice. Yeah, yeah, but future books. I I don't think I have any books. Well, no. Uh Three Rats of Washington, which is like a crime thriller she did. So. Yeah. So so let me ask real quick, you've you've got this uh
1: is it I don't know what to call it, a five set, a series. It's mm-hmm. it's very obviously set after you know, mythology. What mm-hmm. was it about mythology that like really spoke to you in I want to rewrite it or I want to add on to it. What what was that thought process there?
0: So we have all of our stories now and we've got a lot of stories that try to mimic and then as we get further from the original mythologies they get more invaded by our culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I wanted to go back and, and get a little bit closer to that original mythology. or I mean, in the case of ghost monkey, I mean we don't have a whole lot of uh, Hindu mythos that is running around in our movie theaters. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so that's that's why I wanted to do that. But it mythology is fantastic. Um, just reading some of the old Norse stories. Where Loki makes a giant laugh because he and a goat play tug of war, and the rope is tied to their testicles. <laughs> um, that's it's probably my favorite story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it, it, there's just all of this great mythology that we're missing out on. That it's been watered down a thousand times, and we're like, yeah, but that's that's pretty close to the real thing. It's like it's it's not even close yeah. at all. So. That's I don't know if that answers your question,
1: but no, I I think that's great. I mean, you you find your like we talked about before with Tolkien, um, like you find your inspiration and and I didn't want it to sound like I was just repeating the same question. I just it's fascinating to me. I I have a hard time with old mythology just because it's written in a different language that is old. And generally, when you're trying to preserve those stories, you want to preserve that language as well. And I'm. I, I love it, but I'm, I guess it's like, I um how do I put this? It's like my spouse is a football fan and I understand why they're a football fan and I'm going to be there to cheer on their favorite team by, you know, making food for the party and hanging out. And putting on the colors, but at the end of the day, I don't give a shit about football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that other people love football so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I,
0: so my favorite mythology is uh, Gilgamesh. Uh huh. I love Gilgamesh. Like the that's like it the is,
1: original mythology too. Like that's the oldest it, one, right?
0: Yes, it is the oldest. It's in cuneiform. And the only reason we were able to understand what it said was because of the Rosetta Stone. That's the right. only reason we could translate it. Um, and it's, it's like... So I, I studied languages a little bit and like the history of language and stuff. Um, but cuneiform is, from what I recall, I could be historically inaccurate. Please don't use me as a like, source in a paper. But you you had basically Linear A, Linear B, and then cuneiform. And it's it's basically the beginning of culture is there in that story. And there are so many truths in that story that we would still understand today. Um, Like Gilgamesh is a tyrant king who's just destroying everything. And he's disrespectful to everyone and he has power and he abuses it. And <laughs> there's there's Enkidu in the forest who they're like, "Hey, we think he can take Gilgamesh, but how do we convince him to leave the forest? And it's like a woman yeah, okay, get a naked woman out there and that that should solve our problem and it does I, I mean man is weak when a woman's around um, and and then they wrestle and he eventually loses his they become best friends and he loses uh. in Kidu, And then it's this quest to, can I save him? How do I save yeah. who's basically become my brother? And in the humility of death, he realizes that generosity, kindness, and caring for those around you is the only way to really like live beyond the, the moment. Right. And everything that will be gone. And it, it's just, Beautiful. And it's like this was written four, five, six thousand years in Sumeria, and it's still something we could understand today. Yeah, yeah. Um, Such so as it hits me. It hits me.
1: Oh man, I, I think it's great, and I I think it's awesome that there's something that old that you can still resonate with, you know, in a time that's absolutely ancient, and yet we still connect with those people, that story. Um yeah that's and that's what it's gonna be like in six thousand years when people read Twilight. jeez <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: oh, <laughs> you know what? this is my only hope for what the future reads about us is what we read about the past, like our classics oh, man,
1: we cut out pretty hard there Did man it.
0: oh so so for for the past. Our classics are the things, like half of the things we consider classics now, people didn't read uh-huh. in its time. So I'm like, whatever, whatever people are going to take from this era and be like, this was the most amazing writing. It'll be an author no one has heard of during this time. And so that gives me hope. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, last Classic. Last thing, I just wanted to bring up you your your other book that that you had come out with this last year that I know about at least, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, was Leaving the Nest. Um, yes, which is not on Amazon. We we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, it's on Apple Books, uh, Barnes and Noble,
0: everywhere. Yeah. It hopefully it'll be on Amazon by the time this releases.
1: So this is hopefully this is not a fantasy story. This is something no. a little bit closer to home, it seemed like, when you were telling telling us about it in the writer's group.
0: Yeah, so most of the stories I write, I do not... Like, there are bits and pieces of my life, but I don't put hardcore pieces in my life into it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I signed up for this, shortly after um, my soon-to-be ex-wife informed me that we're getting a divorce... And we have a daughter together. And as I was writing this, I'm like, okay, a guy who was divorced, his daughter, she's 18. She's about to go to college and him dealing with soon. She is going out of state and he will have no one there. And the fact that he put his life on hold for her for the 18 years or whatever, uh, before then and as i was writing it like i didn't i didn't think i was gonna i knew it was a personal story i didn't realize how much i was going to find out about me yeah while writing it and as i'm writing it i'm like i i should probably see someone about this (laughs) like like there are definite burdens that i am uh i am becoming aware of that i will have to uh deal with before Cass gets too much older. So, but yeah, it's, it's very personal. I, I think it's good. I really like the story. Um, it could have been better. It always can, but sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem with most authors is, is it's never really done. Um, but it's definitely a book that I, I'm saving. I haven't read it yet. Um, I'm saving for, you know, whenever it is that uh, that I have a kid so that I can maybe um, not not like prepare myself, but like I think I'm going to be reading I a lot not. when I have a kid and I'm going to have like I'm going to have a lot of different books that I want to read. And I, I don't know why it is, but this one strikes me as like, I, I think I want to save this one for that that time in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope it lives up to the expectation. It It's
1: was- it's high up there, man. I mean, it's it's gonna be up there with with Fifty Shades of Grey and the host for me. So,
0: jeez, oh, I I hope not. His daughter's involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so I just heard yeah, cruise it, ship, and I was assuming
0: you know, good time. Right? Hey, some in the series. Uh, <laughs> that's I've got I've got another one that'll be in that series, and then um. Chaos, Children of Chaos, and I'm working on that one right now and that releases nice. in December. So, That's they do awesome. they do a great job. I'm trying to remember what their name is, but um they I think I can find that pretty quick. Nope, I cannot. <laughs> but they've they've done a really great job. It's a uh, independent press that um puts together these like book runs and uh-huh. just has a whole bunch of people and yeah. I really like working with them. Nice. So.
1: Uh was there anything else you wanted to chat about, Paul? Anything you wanted to shout out or let our listeners know about?
0: Um can can I can I plug myself, right? Dude, now? Dude, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So you can find me at StorytellerPRDavis.com. You might need a ww dot in there if it's if it's finicky. <laughs> uh, you can also find me as G Way on world anvil and that is my world codex so it's oh. j-i-w-e-i i'll give you a link yeah i didn't and, realize uh, you
1: had a world anvil i'll have to go check that out
0: i i do i it's the map yeah. is really cool it's one of my favorite features is you can put a map on there and then put landmarks yeah and then it'll jump you to the landmark page that's I'm dope like, okay this is my jam yeah this is my jam um and then if you look up paul r davis you might find me on amazon but if you go through one of my books you'll you'll find me better so um yeah yeah those are my plugs
1: awesome man and guys seriously if if you want to support an indie author who does a lot of great work please go check him out um and maybe we can get it get him to a point where he doesn't have to sell restaurant equipment anymore
0: (laughs) or or at the very least there there's a I'd like to be able to say that I paid bills. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right. Everyone wants to pay at least one bill with book money. (laughs) Yes, most certainly. Um, Paul, dude, thank you so much for hanging out with me. It was it was a blast. I wish we had like I wish I could do a Joe Rogan style uh, podcast (laughs) where we just talk for like four or five hours, half a day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That'd be awesome. I
1: I feel like you and I could too. I feel like you and I could just chat for like ever. about anything and everything
0: um yeah we'll we'll have to do like a dnd thing or something so
1: yeah i feel like because uh, i didn't even think about this to be honest before we started recording i didn't even think about the fact that it's like yo paul's been like really into D the last few weeks and i know he does vampires so maybe i need to get him on players guild and do stuff because that would be awesome
0: yeah, yeah, we'll have to talk about that. So for sure.
1: Alright, man. Uh thanks for hanging out with us and uh yeah, remember, Google, you. remember Google remember ghoul gang to go check him out and uh and also remember that I don't have an outro for this show, so it's gonna be
0: a real awkward when I say <laughs> goodbye. If there's anything I can tell Is that the best place to hide? It's in your mind.